Welcome to In Context and Culture, a podcast hosted by pastors Corey Majors and Trent Roseman, intended to clarify and comment on critical issues pertaining to theology, the Bible, and life in the church. Now, enjoy the podcast. So I'm working on, um, full disclosure, as you know, I'm working on just a short blog about the 10 things an elder does or 10 things about an elder's relationship uh, in the church in which they serve. Um, so if I can just kind of walk through this with you, um, and maybe you can hit some topics that I forget, or if you hit one that um, uh, I already have on here, I'll just mark it off and we'll keep going. So um Uh, The first thing that I have on here is just elders lead in the local church. Any thoughts to passages that you see that being the case? I'm really kind of thinking of where do you see this in the scriptures, how elders lead? Not how they lead so much as, they, of course, they shepherd, but the fact that elders do, in fact, lead in the local church. Well, I mean, I think places, um, I think it's in the pastoral epistles where they're talking about watching out for false teachers. I think that's one of the ways that that elders lead is to maintain the gospel, to maintain right doctrine in the church uh, through their teaching. Uh, they're going to be leading at all times in that. And so that that protective role of an elder, I think, is important. I, I, man, off the top of my head, I can't remember <laughs> the specific scripture that talks about that. But. No, and I, I, I don't expect anybody myself included, to, to have a, a, you know, the scriptures just in, in the back of your head to be able to always, on every question, pull up. And so I, I, I have to just say I have the benefit of having in front of my eyes a paper uh, that says some different things. But First um, Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So it tells what the main tasks uh, are there um, and that they rule or they lead. Um, Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit yep. to them because they're keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. And so um, I, I recommend, uh, remind my students often, hey, I recognize the weight of what I do here. Not how awesome I am, but the responsibility of what it means to lead you well, and I pray I do so, and I pray for you often. Um, however, we would believe that that leadership, and, and you already kind of hinted at this at the beginning, is somewhat limited. So would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, can elders, absolutely. Can elders lead in every which way? Do they rule? Um, where are limitations? Is there limitations? I mean, they're supposed to all obey, right? Can we just, do we just use that passage whenever we want to use it? Hey, <laughs> you don't like what I have to say, obey, you know? There have been many that have used it that way, unfortunately, I think. Um, unfortunately, lately. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, there are limitations. And, and ultimately, the final authority in the church I mean, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, obviously, is the congregation. And I think you see that places where Paul talks in uh, 1 Corinthians about um, there to take them before the church. And he, he, he like addresses the church and doesn't give the command to the elders that they should put this individual out for the sin that is happening in the church. But the church is supposed to remove him. Um, and so that authority... Um, it lies in the hands of the congregation, not just in the elders. That's good. Yeah. Let's go to number two. Elders are always a plural group. Um, so that's not to say we've already talked about, hey, um, you know, 
senior pastor, you're not in sin. Church, you're not in sin. Uh, we've already talked about the practical implications of how helpful it would be to have more than one. Um, even if, like, like, like I said, my son, if he's carrying on a huge load, I want to help him or see someone help him. But when you look at the New Testament church, you see that every church planted was eventually instructed to appoint elders amongst themselves, plural elders, Ephesus and Acts 20, um, Jerusalem, Acts 15, Crete, Titus 1, Jewish churches scattered across because of persecution, and James 5, it mentions elders amongst the dispersion. Uh, churches is existing abroad mentioned in 1 Peter, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, um, and then uh, Paul's common practice, of course, was uh, to instruct the churches, as I've already mentioned, to appoint elders. I think it would be harder for us to find a passage in Scripture that points to any church only having one. And that's not to say, once again, that we're saying, hey, that's sin, but it, this is the common practice of the New Testament, right? I mean, this is what you see from the beginning of the church and to, to the end of the Old Testament, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I might be, I, I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I believe that every place in which uh, elders is talked about in the New Testament, it's in the plural whereas church is in the singular in that context. And so it's talking right, right. It's talking not just about uh, many elders in a particular city. It's talking about many elders or a plurality of elders in the, that particular church. So, cause, and I think that's important because, you know, in small little Batesville, Arkansas, there are 70 churches, something like yeah. that. And um, in, our, in our Baptist association, there's like 31 churches. And so it's not like Paul is just writing to an association of churches. He's writing to the context of a local church there many times. And, and that is talking about a plurality in one place. And just practically speaking, if you're supposed to call upon the elders that oversee you so that they might pray for your disease and, you know, how is someone going to do that? <laughs> right, that it's not a part of your church. Right. All right, uh, so number one, elders lead in the local church. Number two, elders are always a plural group. Number three, elders must meet and maintain certain and specific character qualifications. Now, we see those qualifications in First Timothy 3. Do you want to just mention what those qualifications kind of look like? And, of course, you're welcome to open it up and read from that passage. But, um, you know, just what are some qualifications that you see in the Bible um, for elders? Well, I mean, just the initial one is they are to be above reproach, you know, and I think that's an all-encompassing statement and what follows there. But, you know, it talks about they're supposed to be sober-minded and self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Um, and that's a unique one. I, I think that able to teach is not one of the same ones that you see in the qualifications for deacons, and I'm not going right. to try to get into all of that but but all of these qualifications are based on character um, not just talent or ability and so it, it has to do with the inner person and and who they are as an individual because that really does matter whenever you're leading the people of god so what's not included in the qualifications of a pastor is not whether they have an mba or an mdiv so um, that doesn't have a certain amount of schooling. Uh, doesn't even specify a certain amount of age. It does appeal to wisdom. It doesn't want someone to be a brand new believer, right? Um, but it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Some things that it doesn't include. Uh, we would believe the Bible gives no example, nor uh, uh, first off doesn't give an example of 
nor does it give it its ability to, based upon the way that the Bible talks in 1 Timothy 2 and 3, that women, in general, they cannot be elders. We, we would believe that. Women cannot be elders. Right. Um, but not any man could be an elder either. That's why we're talking about qualifications, because it has to be a qualified man. Right. Um, and those qualifications pertain, uh, first and foremost, really to his character, as you said. Yeah. His. L- I think we talked about it one time. You were about to preach a sermon on elders, and we looked at, uh, I think we said, life, leadership, and love. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so it's not how great of a speaker or a communicator you are as much as it is who are you what type of person you are what's your character because that matters all the more because god can use uh even the those that are not great speakers it doesn't seem as if paul was a great speaker by the way he talks that apollos was a much better speaker i think that's uh, particularly important in our culture today because people are so obsessed or enamored with fame if you will and you can you can be somebody that speaks really well, but not be a godly individual, or or like you said, you can be somebody that's a godly individual and not be the best speaker. And and oftentimes people are drawn to those ones that are engaging. And like I've often described myself as vanilla ice cream. You know, like there's nothing flashy about me. And I'm gonna get up there and I, I'm gonna I'm trying to work on my craft so I communicate better. But you know nobody's going to come and say that I'm Winston Churchill or somebody like that, that, that just, you know, knew how to engage a crowd. Um, I'm no, um, George Whitfield or somebody like that. And so these character qualifications here are, are very important whenever you're looking for an elder, because we have preconceived notions maybe in our own mind of what that should be based on other people we've seen. But again, God's the one that qualifies them, not us. Yeah, and I'll just tell you, man, uh, I love vanilla ice cream, number one. Um, <laughs> and as awkward as that might sound, I, I'm, I mean, I actually really like vanilla ice cream. But y- you can't live off vanilla ice cream. So I don't know that I would say you're vanilla ice cream because, man, I, I've lived and thrived under your teaching. And um, and so uh, while you might not see yourself as flashy, God doesn't call you to be flashy. And I would say, man, you, you bring the meat of the word every time. Uh, the church comes to feast, man. Uh, many people, I'm sure, have said this, but uh, you know, I, I've forgotten a lot of the meals that I've eaten, but I'm alive because of them. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we're not aiming to 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 be showmen as much as we're aiming to be faithful men right. of the word. Right. Hey, uh, that's number three. Let's go to number four. Elders. An elder's primary task is to shepherd and lead the church through the ministry of the word and prayer. We've already kind of talked about that. Um, so I was just gonna say agree. <laughs> yeah, I think we just need to move on. So uh, that would include pastoral care, counseling, teaching and preaching, exercising authority, exhorting and admonishing, guiding, keeping the order, equipping the saints, all that kind of stuff, guarding the doctrine. Um, number five, um, and maybe I'm kind of curious to what you have to say on this because I haven't finished this <laughs> writing yet. Elders are affirmed uh, in many ways by their local church in becoming an elder. Oh, yeah. Would I, you I, agree Agree or disagree? I definitely agree with that because okay. I think— um, you know, even though Paul is writing to Timothy, he's writing to the church here as well. And, and they have to be able to recognize um, who those leaders are. And, you know, I think there is an affirmation that happens by the congregation. Um, I can't remember who wrote the article. It might have been um, Dr. Moeller. But anyway, there's this there's this idea that there is an inward calling that somebody has to 
to the pastorate, but that there's also um, an external call. Whereas a congregation will recognize what God has done in the life of that individual in drawing them to the leadership of the life of the local church. And so I think there is that internal and external call. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think necessarily that you continue to be an elder or continue to be a pastor if you're not in the context of the local church. And so there has to be that recognition by the church of, yes, you are um, the leader here, or you are one of the leaders here. It's good. I agree, man. Uh, I wrote, uh, there is both personal aspiration toward the office and a public affirmation that one should be in office. So personal aspiration you've got um, in First Timothy 3, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he aspires or desires a noble task. So oftentimes people who want to go in the pastorate um, were waiting for, uh, you know, letters in the sky to appear or in mm-hmm. their cereal, or right, in their Cheerios, although Cheerios only say, oh, right? Um, <laughs> there's, there's a point in which the calling has a lot to do with personal aspiration, right? But then a public affirmation. First Timothy 5 says, Don't be hasty in laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So I would argue that he's talking about laying on the hands to affirm uh, a person that aspires um, to be an elder. Yeah. Number six, um, elders are supported by their local church by their respect and financial support. So reason I put two different things that respect would be a way you honor and obey your leaders, but also financial support. In 1 Timothy 5, it says, uh, let those who rule well uh, be worthy of double honor, especially those who labor, that is their job, to preach and teach. And uh, later on in different passages, Paul talks about, you know, you, you let the ox uh, eat that which is in front of him as he treads the grain. Right? You don't muzzle an ox right. as he treads the grain. Uh, different Old Testament passages that say, hey, the one who works uh, for a living to preach and teach, you should support him. That's in the context of supporting financially widows in First Timothy 5 as well. Yes or no, elders supported by their local church, good thing? Yeah, absolutely. I think it gives elders, um, not only is it biblical for them to do that, but it gives an elder the time that they need to prepare to preach and teach it also gives them time to shepherd. I mean, I, I know guys that faithfully serve as bivocational pastors, and man, I, I stand in awe of those guys just because they are trying to work full-time plus do all of the things that they need to do in the life of their church. And, you know, I mean, Paul was a good example of that. You know, he was a tent maker, and he there were many times that he did not burden the congregation with uh, financially supporting him, but if you can allow a time for for pastors to have that where they can study and get into the Word and, and really dig deep because, I mean, it takes, you know, hours and hours to prepare a sermon, um, and so whenever you have to do that each week, it, it's a benefit not only to the pastor that gets to do it, but it's a benefit to the church as he is able to deliver the word of God uh, and and dig deep down into it. Do you think all elders must be supported by their church? No, absolutely not. financially? No, because, I mean, I think a plurality of elders, in fact, the way we're even setting up ours is there will be more uh, lay elders than there are um, staff 
church staff elders. And so I, I don't think that's necessary for all of them um, because you know they may not have the they, they may not carry the primary teaching role in the church, but they are going to help shepherd the congregation as well. Number seven, elders are submitted to by their local church because they are serving a role designed by God to care for his sheep. Thoughts on that? Elders are to be submitted to? Well, I mean, it just goes back to that Hebrews 13 where it says obey your elders and uh, or obey the leaders. And um, and, a good, and a good elder won't take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the elder's going to have to, well, I was just going to say, an elder's going to have to give an account exactly. for those that they shepherd as well. And so, um, you know, understanding that an elder should be one that will shepherd the sheep in, in humility, in ways that care for them and build them up, not in a harsh way. And so uh, if somebody's loving you and trying to care for you, absolutely, uh, there should be honor given and there should be submission uh, that happens in that way. Yeah, the, the command to obey your elder does not come without God's consequence to an elder who right. uh, acts unjustly or abusively. It's kind of almost like a marriage, right? There's, there's self-sacrificial love and there's um, God-honoring submissive respect. And that's a, a, a God-honoring, God-glorifying cycle. And the person that you should submit yourself to should be giving himself for and giving herself to and giving himself for. And that's how it's designed in the local church, that obey your leaders. They are keeping watch over your souls. They recognize the task at hand as they stand before God. So there's a command to respect. There's also the command to rebuke an elder. So number eight is elders may be removed by their local church for an abuse of power or misconduct, etc. So here's the passage, and we'll just talk about it for a second. First Timothy 5 19 through 21, don't admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin as elders, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Any thoughts on that? No, not off the top of my head. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be leaving you hanging there. No, but, uh... I... I, only thing I can think of every time I read that passage is I pray the Lord helps me hold fast um, yeah. to his word. And I don't, uh, we've known, Corey, you and I have known um, a certain individual who uh, was rebuked in the uh, front of, in front of his, his church. And it was a very large church. And, and uh, we all must take heed lest we fall. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, and man, I, I think this is a good time just to say this is another reason we are for elders. <laughs> yeah. Um, like we're for a plurality of leadership because the tendency and the, uh, uh, the proneness to wonder uh, affects the pastor as it affects the parishioner. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, there's, if you give, I don't know who it was that said that power corrupts an absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, that kind of thing. We have to guard against ourselves because pride is always waiting to to dominate us and if you're left on your own um, you can self-justify a lot of things and and i think that they are a protection for one another there i got i got one for you here number nine elders while they may serve specific ministries in the church based upon their giftings and of course matters of prudence all are primarily given oversight over the whole church agree or disagree 
Uh, say that again. I, I'm not sure I quite followed you. <laughs> Sorry. This is long. So elders, uh, they serve together over the church. They're given oversight over the church, not just, you know, the, the four-year-olds or the five-year-olds, but um, they'll be responsible for the church, even though they may serve in some capacity specifically. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that, too, helps. And, and one of the ways that helps is, I'll just tell you my own experience, is I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and during that time, my primary focus was uh, youth ministry. And the churches I served in prior to this one, we didn't have an elder model, and I didn't understand that the whole elder, uh, plurality of elders in the church. And, and what I did is I my mind focused on that one particular group, and I didn't really see the big picture. Uh, like I should have. And whenever you're serving as a group and serving the whole church, you're not just worried about and serving the, the, the interest of one particular group. And so like, to use a weird analogy, like if you're in Washington and you're, you're working for a particular um, party, your, your interest is that particular party, not the whole right and so like you do things that that are going to serve that party and all of the well in the life of the church we have to be concerned about the whole because the church collectively is the bride of christ not just individuals in the church and so i think that helps um i think that helps maybe younger pastors like i was at that time it, it would have helped me mature and see my responsibility in a bigger context than what I did. I saw it as, yeah, I'm going I'm to serve these students and I'm going to help grow these students. But what I was really doing was I, I should have been growing church members, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, I think it probably would have expanded my ministry more if I would have understood things in that way as well. Okay. I was serving in a church, uh, you know, we have stories of, this wet, being very well done and, and salaries that where it's not. And um, I was serving a church not too long ago um, where I was, um, as far as the leadership uh, roster or the organization of the leadership, there was basically the senior leaders, uh, senior lead team, and that was the pastor, his wife, and a group of businessmen. They were kind of separate from the leadership that he would meet with. And then there was a second team, and that was kind of the um, the lead organizational team, and that included the senior pastor, his wife, the production manager, or the production guy, and the uh, well, another campus pastor, and then um, the uh, marketing and design lead. And then there was the day-to-day staff, and that included janitor, that included uh, you know children's ministry things, and also included a few of our pastors. A student pastor and um, a children's pastor, um, and on that was it was really difficult because there were decisions made for the direction of the church that I had no say in. Um, but according to God's word, in my position, I'd be held accountable for. Hmm. And so, um, while I know God is gracious and would be would necessarily uh, hold, I, I don't believe hold me accountable for something I just absolutely cannot control. There was an ignorance uh, that the leadership. Uh, led with, and I don't mind saying that, um, that would put me in a position where I would have to be biblically held accountable for something that I wouldn't agree with. 
um, as far as leading the church in a direction as a pastor that had I had no control or say over, right? And so it was it was it was in a kind of a, an unfortunate, maybe even unintentional, giving them the benefit of the doubt situation of lack of ability. So, all right, yeah, let's man, move that's on. a tough spot to be in. It's very tough. Uh, yes, very tough. There was some, uh, and it was unintentional, but unbiblical things that came out of our marketing department for a series that I had writ- written, but not some words that I'd written put to a series, and and I had to approach that individual, but they were. Uh, not a pastor, and but they were the design person, and uh, so I had to go to one of the pastors, not the lead pastor. He was never around, uh, but I'd go to one of the pastors uh, under the lead pastor uh, to go to a design person that was seated above me and about the direction of our church and the teaching that was coming out of the church. And it was very difficult. It was very difficult. I'll say number nine again, just so we understand where we're at. Elders, while they may serve specific ministries in the church based upon their giftings and matters of prudence, are all primarily given oversight over the whole church. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate those with so many different giftings, production and design and things like that. Um, but those that will be held, uh, be held to an account for the direction of the church should be those who are able to talk through what is most biblical for the direction of the church. Number 10, elders will give an account to God for how they steward their God-given position. Absolutely. And that that is one thing that I think about often is the way I'm going to be shepherding and leading this church. I'm going to have to stand before the Lord one day. And so like that's also helpful because if you have somebody coming and wanting you to do something in a certain way and you feel convicted by the Lord and Scripture um, to do something, like that gives you a firmness saying, no, I'm going to have to stand before the Lord one day and give an account. And I know maybe this is the way you want something done, but but I know that one day I have to answer to God, not just to you uh, in this thing. And so I think it gives us a, a stability um, in that and also um, a warning and a protection mm-hmm. against doing things that are contrary to scripture about doing things as we've talked about or um, in former podcasts that are just pragmatic um, and really making sure I'm holding fast to the word in all areas. So it gives us both a warning that we may stand before God having done what is right and gives us confidence in addressing particular sin that might be difficult to address in the moment. Yeah. That's a good word. Brother, anything I missed? Man, I can't think of it. You're way better at your organization and thought than I am. So, so I'm going to trust your uh, your thoroughness there. I appreciate your kindness, but whatever. <laughs> All right, brother. Why don't you land the plane? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, let me uh, say one thing. You know, I thought I think uh, in remembering the last time we did this, it's been a couple weeks, but I think in every other episode that we have talked, um, I have said something about going to the uh, – the app store or to uh, Google Play and leaving us a review. Well, the reality is we're on Apple Podcasts, not just the app store, and we're not on Google Play, but we're on Spotify. And so apologize <laughs> if there's been any confusion in the past about what we're doing here. At any rate, uh, just wanted to clarify that. So go to Spotify or to um or to uh, po- Apple Podcasts and leave us your five-star review, uh, please. And uh, make sure that you kind of leave us some comments. And, and two things I want you to do. Um, number one is I want you to answer a question that I'm having trouble finding right now, so I apologize. As you're looking forward, I'll say this. Um, leave us a comment if it's encouragement, if it's a question. 
um, not only just answering the question that we're about to have. Uh, I was on our uh, website, Corey, just oh, just the other day, and someone had commented on there on a blog that I had written. And, and this is awkward talking about an, my own blog that I would written, but he commented, hey, I'm preaching this Sunday, and your nine tips for writing your first sermon was helpful. Uh, and I don't know, I, I don't have a clue who the guy was who wrote it, a guy named CJ, but CJ, I hope the sermon went well, and that was encouraging for me to read. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you mentioned something there that I think is important. If you have uh, questions or maybe topics that you want us to address, uh, man, put those there in the comments. That would be helpful to us to know that we're doing something that is beneficial to somebody other than just our pure enjoyment of talking to one another. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want you to ask the, I want you to answer this question. I want you to, I want you to answer the question of, should I, drum, would, should I drum roll? Maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would be the coolest animal to scale up to the size of a horse? So maybe you're just thinking, I love hamsters. And to see one the size of a horse would be really awesome. Although I think that would be terrifying. But um, at any rate, that is our question for today. Thanks for uh, tuning in with us today. Uh, and as always, we hope that this has been a benefit to you. And uh, until we talk again. Thank you.